Voice at the Table provides practical information to ensure people with a cognitive disability have a real and equal voice on boards, committees and advisory groups. We do this by providing training for people with an acquired brain injury or intellectual disability and through a peer-led monthly meetup. We educate organisations and government departments to use inclusive meeting practices by providing training and resources. But most importantly, VAT tries to make the world a place where everyone is equal and can participate by being given supports they need to contribute the way they want. Our board is disability-led and our resources and training are co-produced and facilitated by people with a disability. Come check us out, voiceatthetable.com.au. We gather together today on this special place to continue our learning journey together. We are knowing the boy, Barang, and Boom Barang, people of the Kuma Nation, as the tradition Kajasian of this land and waters of the place where we are recording this podcast and this sovereign had not been Jesus. We knowledge and pay respect to the oldest past and present and emerging. We also pay respect to the first nation who are listening. We remember the self-advocates who have worked really, really hard over the years for the right for themselves and other people with disabilities to live in the community and for equality and human rights for all. Nothing about us without us. Welcome to That Chat. That Chat. In this new season, I have our very first guest. Why don't you introduce yourself, John? Yeah, I'm John Jacoma. I'm 62, um, yeah, and I live in Footscrow. And I believe you were part of the Voices for Justice training group? Yes. And which yeah. included some amazing people whose life experiences will hopefully never be repeated. <laughs> oh. And But also saying that they've turned out to be a great group of self-advocates doing lots of work since the training. Um, I know of a couple of your little achievements, including the big one of um, aligning with the Fitzroy Legal Service to to be like partners. Yeah, yeah, it's, um, yeah, yeah. The lady that we've employed, um, Ellen, has been really supportive and um, yeah, lining things up for us and uh, yeah, really compassionate. Yeah, yeah, it's it's it's, it's a great journey trying to plant a, a seed of hope of our past experiences into the criminal justice system. You know, yeah, of. Uh, change give them something to walk away and think about about change in the future for other people involved in the criminal justice system with um acquired brain injury yeah in a, in, in a lot of walks and areas of uh 
my past experience and, and the other people in the group's past experience. You know, and we've all experienced different experiences. <laughs> yeah. Yes, and uh, that's yeah. the whole point of the lived experience. It's it's your lived experience. It's not mine. It's not Dan's. It's not someone else's. It's yours, and that makes you the expert of your lived experience. And, yeah. Uh, and that's part of the uh, the voice at the table sort of training to set up everyone with that those leadership qualities. Yeah. And and having that resource to fall back on when you need to, but I must say that the group that you were part of ended up uh, making their own self advocates group as well. And I hear yeah. from Michael one story. But what about you, John? What what's your story and how that all came about? Well, I was asked. I can't even remember who by. If I'd like to be involved, um, like to be involved, and uh, yeah, we were meeting at Ross House every week, to my yeah. memory. And it was about 18 months ago or more. Um, yeah, and you know, we went through the guidelines and you know, do's and don'ts and consideration for others. And you know, we've just been through that you know, protocol, protocol of uh, common sense and courtesy. For others, yep. yeah, and then you know, like, and then and we just formed, you know, like, you know, um, how we could um, plan a plan a seed of change, of, yep. of hope, you know, in the um, criminal justice system, you know, being police and the courts and um, prisons to give people in that area or people with acquired brain brain injury because. You know, I always thought oh, I haven't got it, but you know, um, I haven't got acquired brain injury. But um, I've been diagnosed with um, acquired brain injury by a bias many years ago, many many years ago. But um, that made me feel less than. But I had to accept that I have, you know, yes. to compare myself with others in the group. You know how they've been affected and. Um, due to their experiences and I uh, was able to accept that yeah me too you know and accept that within myself you're listening to that chat that's such a powerful thing though isn't it to accept that disability that you that diagnosis um, for those that are born with it it's a completely different story uh, for those of us that have acquired a disability over the years, um, actually taking ownership of that diagnosis and it's empowering to say the least. That really gives you hope for the next stage of your life. Well, well, what can I do about it? Well, I can't do nothing about it. Well, maybe I need some help. You know, I've been seen since, you know, around about the same time I've been, um, seen a uh, trauma psychologist because uh, stuff that happened in my life. I was in Pentridge when I was 18, 19. I spent a lot of time in there and I was institutionalised but um, I got knocked out for three days in a fight and um, I see some humour in it. It was the quickest three days prison I've ever done in my life. I, did, I was asleep. You know, but um, you know, like that really affected me. You know, 
and when I think of it, it still affects me today. And you know, but not as extreme. But as a result, I've been seeing a trauma psychologist. You know, and there was a lot of other things that um, I witnessed and experienced myself in uh, the life that I lived up to be, and uh, had a lot of fear. Yeah, I mastered up with drugs when I found so I was offered drugs and um, that made me feel better. You know, and then I become addicted and uh, yeah, and that's really affected me too. You know, um, over 20, 20 something years or 30 years of drug abuse, you know, it um, affected me upstairs, you know, and um, it gave me confidence for a long time, for many years, and then it done a U-turn on me, and um, yeah, made me feel a hundred times worse. You know, um, I met a group of people that, um, you know, that had a lot of similarities, and I found that with voices of voices of change also, um, we have a lot of similarities, and. Um, and for me, in this with this other group, a fellowship of people that I'm involved with, that um, you know, that the drugs stopped working for them. And um, when I actually heard that, I used to think, you know, that uh, well, they must be getting um, not good quality drugs for that to happen, you know. And you know, that it happened to me. You know, the last two years of my using drugs, I, uh, I, I, it didn't do anything. It just made me feel a hundred times worse. I still felt hopeless and worthless. You know, it didn't give me confidence anymore. Yeah. And um, best thing I did is I went and asked for help. Oh, definitely. You know, definitely the best thing. Today, today, I've been sober and clean now in the next month, 15 years. And, you know, and... Um, yeah, fifteen years, and um, you know, congratulations and on that one, John. Thank you. Yeah, it's, uh, I'll get two birthdays in one year. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, but, um, as a result, I've been able to go and ask for help in other areas. You know, regarding my acquired brain injury, and um, you know, I've been seeing a trauma psychologist for eighteen months or more. Um, yeah. Coming up to a couple of years now. Um, yeah, and he does this EDMR on me, and wow, what a beautiful gift. Yeah. You know, I've got an appointment with him this Thursday, and I see him once a fortnight now. And, you know, like, yeah, and I need to do that. You know, um, yeah, it's amazing the little things that we first think of as being, oh, yeah, maybe. But once you step into that side of it and, and let it take over and you go along with it on the journey, it becomes, you know, as you said, you know, one of those essential things that you need to do. So the Voices for Change um, came about through the Voices for Justice yeah. training. Yeah. And um, the way Michael Mayne says it, it's yeah. because you all wanted to stay in touch with each other and support each other and and be there. And 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 as you've said a couple of times already, John, you know, plant those seeds for change. Yeah. And 
and worked out that one of the best ways of doing that would be to align yourselves with some uh, legal organisations, as in Fitzroy Legal Service, which is absolute feather in the cap, that one. That's a huge, huge yeah. job. And, but what I'm really interested in is you guys um, sought some funding and, and received that funding to keep doing the work that you're doing. Yeah, for the next two years, um, yeah, that, the Commonwealth Government um, see some, um, you know, to my opinion, um, as we spoke about with the others of the group, the you know, see some hope of change of people that have lived the experience, you know, um, instead of textbooks people, you know, um, yeah, trying to work it all out. They're, you know, they're, they've, um, they've become involved with, um, in, and a lot of other areas too, you know, that I'm involved with. They want people who have lived the experience, you know, but, um, you know, they suit, yeah, they, the Commonwealth Government was able to apply um, it was able to um, provide funding for us to go for the next two years, you know, and to employ someone from Fitzroy Legal Service to um, help us coordinate all that. Yeah, no, it's it's a wonderful, wonderful outcome. You can find out more voice at the table dot com dot au. We talk about how self self advocates can change people's lives. And I think, um, you know, the perfect example is the Voices for Change group and yourself, John, have done some amazing things over the year, year and a half, even uh, yeah, in such a short space of time, you've done so much. And I think, uh, you know, the uh, most of that is missed by the people out there. They don't see it. They don't hear about it. You know, so maybe this is your chance to, promote yourselves a bit and and yeah, and, yeah. like I, I've been a big fan I was on the original uh, steering committee that set up the, the project yeah my my memory's failing now I can't even remember the names of the people that were involved um, uh, and, uh, uh, and, um, she was a, a big start at the start of it and um, yeah. and a great great help um yeah, and um, Amy and and Anne, you know, popped their heads in as well, and yeah, and yeah, you know, Peter and, and other people that are still in the group, you know, like there's Kevin, he just passed away a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Um, My condolences. Yeah, it's yeah, he was a big part of it too, and you know, he battled with whatever he battled with, and he passed away, and. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, so that's sad. One of the things that we really want to explore with this podcast is uh, the successes that individuals have had as well and and how the training has helped propel those successes. So I'm just wondering whether you, you have any sort of stories around that in regards to just not so much within a boardroom setting or a working group setting, but just individually out in the street, you know, amongst okay. your mates. 
Yeah, like I, I, well, I witnessed as myself and others in the group. You know, it's given them some self worth. Um, you know, and to feel a bit more a part of the community and not feel different. You know, like. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and to be able to witness that in, just in their beings, you know, in their confidence, which comes out in their speaking and in, in you know, in, in their, uh, yeah, it's been um, a big progress, you know, that I've, I've been able to witness, hmm. you know, and, um, yeah, to give them some meaning in life, to give them some self-worth, what they can, can, can contribute go to the uh, broader community. Mm. So, um, yeah. And to let people know that we're, we're, we're just, you know, we're, we're human, you know, like we might have acquired brain injury, but number one, we're human first. Yep. Yes. Uh, very, very true. As a fellow ABI, the invisibility of our disability is, is very hard for people to get their head around. You know, they they think, oh, your brain will get better. Just, you know, put some plaster on it. That'll work, sort of thinking. And, you know, as we know, our brains do change over time. And obviously when you've acquired an injury, they're forced to change. And some of those changes have been quite extraordinary in some people and, Others are a bit more subtle. Um, I know myself, I became very creative uh, after my brain injuries. Whereas bef- before, I was very much a uh, numbers and logic sort of person. Yeah. And, and now, uh, basically, I'm a painter, and <laughs> that's how I get through each day now is I do my little painting uh, and and helps me keep everything else in control and under in perspective as well. On your journey, has there been any unusual sort of happenings for you like that, like you know, changing your personality, that sort well, of thing? I always, for me, I always felt that I was different um, because of. Uh, I've got uncontrollable movements in my fingers. I notice, you know, I don't even notice it sometimes. And my yep. jaw, as you might have witnessed yourselves while we've been talking, you know, goes from side to side sometimes. And, you know, I don't even realise it, you know, as a result of, you know, like I, I notice it within myself that I do it a lot more um, when I'm in fear, I'm worried about something or I'm anxious. Um, yeah, but I'll, yeah, I like, and, and that makes me feel um, that I'm judged by others in the community. No one ever says anything, but I judge myself. Yeah. You know, and, um, you know, like I used to think that people look at me as well, <laughs> look at this gimp, look at his, something's wrong with him. You know, but no one's saying anything to me. You know, it used to be really extreme. But now it's just once in a while, you know. For me, it gives me um, a warning signal that I'm in fear or I'm worried about something. And then, then the next thought is, 
it's helped me change my way of thinking, Joe, um, that I have an acquired brain injury and that's a result of heavy drug abuse and um, being knocked out and, you know, and um, but thank you to a bias, you know, but I judge myself. No one else judges me, you know, but I judge myself and, uh, you know, and uh, within the group of uh, Voices of Change, you know, we all recognise that within ourselves too, mm. you know, um, that something's not right, you know, it might make me shot, you know, like, you know, but I've got those little tools that I can do and like to pass that on to the others as well. You know, I know one person that puts what I do into practice in their lives now. You know, yeah. that's what it's all about, you know. Well, um, but I've got that from someone else. You're listening to That Chat. No, it's, but that's the, the good thing of the, the ABI community. We do share our little successes and, and little tips and things that work. And but it won't work for everyone, and exactly. there is that general recognition overall that we're all individuals, even though we're all diagnosed the same. Yeah. You know, we all know that my brain injury is different to yours, which is different to Michael's, which is different to you know, Fran's, which is different to Eva's, uh, and, and so on and so on. and. Yet we all have the same ABI letters yeah. written on our medical files. <laughs> but, yeah. but that sharing and supporting each other, I think, is a huge part of, 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 of who we are now. Yeah. And you know, it's probably the same within your wider group as well, not just within the Voices for Change group. Yeah. But you were saying you're uh, part of another group and you're, you're helping them a bit with some of the tips and tricks that uh, you picked up through the training? Yeah, that, uh, that other group, you know, I go and talk at um, a withdrawal unit, you know, the people that are there withdrawing from alcohol and drugs, you know, and try and plan to see the hope in them, you know, that there's another way to live as a result of asking for help and following direction, you know, yeah. and it's okay not to know what to do. You know, you know, and that took me until I was 47 um, to work that out. Yeah, yeah. it's a hard one to pick up and, uh, at times. It, you know, and um, yeah, and where do I get help? You know, like, yeah, but working working with, with others, working with others within Voices of Change, you know, they can talk about their experiences about, oh, yeah, I might try that too, you know. But each individual has got to want to want something different within themselves, and it's okay to ask for help. Yes. Yeah, so, that's, that's very, very true, John. I've um, done a video for uh, VACRO, which is, um, you know, prisoner reform stuff, and, you know, it's... Um, it's shown to prisoners in jail. It's been going for a few years. They've got a certain TV station. You know, my sons have been in prison and they've seen it. And go, hey, there's my dad. You know, I've bumped into people on the street. Oh, I've seen you on video. Yeah, they've just gotten out of prison, you know. Yeah. And, and that's what I talk about. 
it's okay to ask for help. No? Yeah. And yeah, so, and it, it most okay. definitely is okay. <laughs> well, it's okay. You know, yeah. Just a high ego, but, you know, and I had that, you know, but I, I had to witness that from other people, you know. I had an high ego, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, but deep down inside, I didn't know what to do. You know, I'm gonna do this, I'm gonna do that. You know, um, every time I got out of a rehab or prison, you know, it was like, I'm gonna get a job, get a car, get a license, you know, get a partner, get some kids and settle down. You know, the only thing I knew, I didn't even know how to cook, you because know, being institutionalised, you know, like, yeah, um, you don't do cooking in prison back then, and uh, if they wash your clothes, I didn't know that you didn't have to wash, you don't wash jumpers with towels or white t-shirts with jeans, because I never had to do it. I had to get that high ego out the way and ask for help, you know. And um, I am, I am, but I don't know what to do. You know, I had a friend here in my house when I first got my sons, you know. It wasn't all about me, it was about my sons, you know. I didn't even know how to make mashed potatoes, you know. He showed me how to make mashed potatoes. And I felt like an idiot, you know, asking someone else just a, a minor thing. But to me, it was a big thing. Yeah. You know, and um, yeah. now I know how to make mashed potatoes. <laughs> <laughs> I know how to cook. You know? yeah. Um, yeah, so dinner's it. dinner at your house next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Nothing about us without us. Today I'll be having a chat with Sue Smith from the Self Advocacy Resource Unit, and our topic today is Doug Pentland fondly known as a gentleman. I once lived in Kalula. I was there for a long time. I didn't like it. I'm now living in the community. And I've got a deep concern for those who are in there now. I felt I left a lot of my friends behind. They should be out and I want Kalula to close now. Sue, how are you today? I'm good, thank you, Warren. I've watched the um, the video, the YouTube video of Doug as a, in a gentleman, and picked up a few conversation points along the way. But I think first off, we should speak about why Doug was such a good ad- advocate and what made him so, so good at it. His level of passion related to what he saw the abuse, the deprivation. Um, And so that drove him when he came out to just absolutely keep pushing to close institutions. When I first started meeting Doug and why I called him a gentleman is that he was so softly spoken, so gentle. As soon as he got up to present to an audience or forum, he just changed into just this strength of this is what's happening, this has got to stop. As you know, I'm, a, I'm an ex-resident from Sunbury. I, I can go back a long time. We had to put up with things that we didn't like doing. Close the ground and be done with. That's all I can say. Yay. In, the, in the video, 
it mentions that he was a activist, as we've been talking about, an actor as well, and um, performed in or was videoed in about 25 different things. He did some fantastic acting. In one, in one, in one video we made with him, it was called um, Plain English Less Jargon, and we filmed him with a bunch of bureaucrats, I think, I might have been acting as one, using jargon in a big boardroom table. And the next scene he's up on the jumped on the table and looking down at them and going, speak plain English, less jargon. The paramount issues. In line with the principle. Of social role valorisation. Independence and. Community access are paramount issues. So just so our listeners know, uh, who are reinforced? So Reinforce is um, the first self-advocacy group in Australia. Um, It came out of a conference, um, so it was 1981 that they set up, and at that time it was really about getting closing institutions. And they were um, a radical group. They were an activist group. They squatted in a government building in one. Um, uh, I think it was Tom Roper when he was the minister. They pre the days when you could you could actually walk into a minister's office, not go through electronic things. He wasn't there, and they put their feet up on the desk and answered his phone when it was ringing. So <laughs> they were real activists, and it really was around closing institutions and there was a you know a community of, of people supporting them and um different times i think that's a great place to leave off this back chat episode i'd like to thank you sue smith for sharing your experiences of doug um i feel all the richer having heard these stories from you today. Thank you very much. Thank you for the opportunity to just talk about the gentleman that we all knew him as. Welcome to Justin's Joke. A bloke walked into the doctor one day and said to Justin, you've got to help me. I'm thinking I'm a breach. And the doctor said, well, what's come over you? And the patient said, well, two cars. Two bus and and a truck. (laughs) Thanks to all the VAT Chat team and people that contributed today. Our presenter and producer, Warren Lauren. Our audio director and composer, Dan Sullivan. The VAT Chat working group who steer the direction of VAT Chat. We'd also like to thank John Takima for sharing his story. And last but not least, Justin O'Brien for Justin's Jokes. That chat podcast is part of the Voice at the Table training. Voice at the table.com.au